Good morning. Well, we're here in the midst of the Advent season. Hopefully you've done a, a bit of shopping at this point, so you're not putting it all off to the very end, like some of us tend to do. Um, just to say thank you for your prayers. Uh, a month or so ago, I was not feeling well, would not have been able to be here, but it's the prayers, faithful prayers of people like you who allow us to be sick and get well and uh, thank the Lord for that. Uh, my wife is a great nurse and I feel bad, uh, even my boys I had to cancel some things in their life and you know when you get sick it doesn't just affect you does it, it affects people around you. And we know many others are dealing with that now or have dealt with it so let's just continue to pray for those uh, who are going through difficulties with the, the virus or we know there's many things, we just heard the prayer requests here and, and I feel like it's, what I dealt with was nothing compared to what you've been hearing here and praying for already. So let's just be thankful at this time of year for what, we're, what we have and, and be giving thanks to God. Um, I just pray as we start uh, the sermon this morning. Lord, we are so thankful and so grateful for what you have given us. We're thankful for the, the health we have and be with those who don't aren't at full health at the moment. We ask that you would be using this time of year, this, uh, the things with the virus, even the tornadoes, to be bringing people to the point of saying, what's life about? Why are we here? What am I missing? And to make changes in their lives. We ask that the Advent season when Jesus coming would be uh, changing their lives. They would be looking to and finding Jesus and knowing the answers to the problems around us and realizing we're not in control. So we just ask even now, Lord, you'll just give me the words to say to touch hearts this morning, to challenge, to strengthen, to encourage, uh, but to uh, just allow you to come and, and have your way this morning through what I'm going to share next. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was listening to Christian Radio a while back, and there was a discussion about the difference between uh, conservative churches and liberal churches, and the, the topic was that how conservative churches tend to focus on theology and the Bible and, and making sure that we have the truth and that everything is, is just right um, in, in our theology and what we think and how we act. So you know, if we have this litmus test or these rules and we can follow them, then we feel like we're doing well. And then they said the, the more liberal churches tend to focus on social issues and, and justice and helping people and feeding people and doing good things. And uh, they were debating back and forth which of those two was, was better or needed. And uh, maybe we could say that they're both needed. But I, I was a little disappointed that in that discussion, the name of Jesus was never mentioned. And I'm thinking, does it, we're on the one side, we have the truth right, we know our theology, we come to Sunday school and get taught and we have it all in our heads, but if it stays there, how is that going to help people around us? But on the other hand, if we're doing social justice and we're feeding people and doing all these good things, but they never mention Jesus either, you know, both of these things are lacking. What we really need is Jesus. We need Jesus to come and power and strength the Holy Spirit to change and transform lives. So that, that's what we're doing in Bible translation. That's our goal, not to have a Bible on a shelf, not to have a finished product, uh, not just to help those who are poor 
uh, find community, but to have a community based in and around Jesus and, and God. So this time of year, as we look again, what does the word Advent mean? It means coming, right? And as we look at the traditions, we have candles and flowers and presents, and uh, we can get together and have family, and that's very good. All these things are good. Uh, I remember watching some movies out there, Christmas movies that are not Christian, and you know they have the family gathering at the end and say, well, it doesn't matter with everything else that happened as long as our family's together. And family, of course, is good too. But if it ends with family and not the reason for the season, if it isn't, Jesus is left out of that, we're still missing. So where do we go from there? Well, today is the third Sunday, and the third Sunday is talking about joy. We've already heard it in some of the, the songs that we have heard and the other scripture readings. I'm just going to read three scriptures as we start here this morning. Romans chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So this is the New Testament, but talking about the Old Testament. And the root of Jesse will come. Jesus will come. And through that we may... May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in you in hope. Uh, even this morning, we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we need the Holy Spirit to be in us. It's not uh, enough to just believe in Jesus and then go live our life the way we used to live it. Uh, it needs to change us. It needs to have impact. It needs to be challenging us. And, and we can't do the things that the Bible says to do without the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And so we need to be understanding these things. And, and what are your gifts? What are the gifts that God has given you that you can then use to serve each other and, and serve the community around us? So hopefully you're, you're finding that. Uh, when we talk about joy, though, I realize joy seems to be quite different than the things we were just talking about and praying about, isn't it? Uh, maybe hard to have joy. Maybe that's not the first word comes to mind right now in your life. Maybe you're struggling with something. You know others who are struggling. And you say, well, it's hard to be joyful. Well, we have to remember that joy and happiness are different things, right? We can have a feeling of happiness and sadness, and those things come and go, they're feelings, but joy is something that God gives us. And he's got joy and peace in believing here. So hopefully you have that this morning through your faith in him. A second reading is Luke chapter 2, 8 to 14. This is more... The standard reading for this time of year, you some of you may have memorized this, it's Charlie Brown talks about it, so we, we see this all over the place. Uh, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Great joy. Bring you good news of great joy for all the people. 
amazing this time of year how we can get caught up in other things, isn't it? Get our focus off from, from God, off from Jesus. But he's coming. Advent, Jesus is coming. He's going to be here. Why is he coming? Well, he's coming to save the world. And the whole world, great news of, uh, good news of great joy that he's coming. We can celebrate together with everyone. And so at this point in the year, if someone says, hey, how are your plans for the holidays? You know, you can bring in the fact that there's a Christmas Eve service. There's other things that are religious reasons why we're so joy joyful and grateful in spite of maybe the challenges we see around us. And it says, in this version I'm reading is the English Standard Version, and at the end there again it says, on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. It's a little different than the King James. It just says, on earth good, good news, or however it says it, the, 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 it's coming for the whole world, basically. So this is saying it's those with whom he is pleased. And so God is bringing joy and peace to those with whom he is pleased. Who is he pleased with? Those who put their faith in him. So sometimes we may hear people say, well, I don't see any peace in the world. I don't have any joy in the world. Well, because they don't know God. And it makes sense. If they don't have their faith in God, how can God give them his peace and joy? And so these things go together. And so the world may challenge us there and say, well, it says in the Bible that Jesus coming is going to bring peace on earth. Well, it's peace on earth with, um, with whom he is pleased. And those whom he is pleased are those who put their faith in him. So if you have your faith in him, then you have this access to this peace and joy that he's talking about. If you don't have your faith in him today, then you probably aren't at peace. You probably don't have that joy, but you can have it. God came so that everyone might hear the good news and might come and believe in him. So to everyone who wants to, you can come. A third uh, verse I'll read here is in Matthew uh, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening up their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Of course, this is the story of the three kings, even though we don't know for sure how many there were. Um, we were in France, uh, we usually go for a walk around the block, and this one building we came to, there are three doors, and above each door were the names of the three kings. So there's a lot of tradition in France. But I don't know if anyone who lived there thought anything about it, you know. Every time I went by, I'm thinking, that'd be neat going into a building and it's named after one of the three kings. Just to kind of remind you of the Bible stories, right? So they have more holidays in France than we do here. And many of them are religious holidays and, and the people don't know anything about what the meaning is of those holidays. It's just sad, again, that they have the opportunity to be reminded and yet don't take advantage of the history that was there. But so there's people, these leaders from somewhere else are coming to worship Jesus. Isn't that kind of odd? You know, who, why would these people care? Uh, what brought it to their attention? And why would they come from so far away? I mean, the whole story is, is just very interesting. I mean, the shepherds going and worshiping makes sense. Uh, they're probably Jewish. They would understand Messiah coming, but there's no indication that these people were of Jewish descent. Maybe they were, we don't know, but coming from far away with treasures and says it with, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
You know, if we, we think on it now, if we had a chance to go back and see Jesus, I'm sure we would be very joyful. It would, it would be great because we know him and we have the traditions, but for someone who didn't, why would you go and worship this baby? What does it mean? But they didn't just come and worship, but they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Do we have that in our hearts today? As, as Christmas comes, are we looking forward to it as a way to rejoice exceedingly with great joy of this news of Jesus coming? I think we tend to forget that. We tend to get caught up in the busyness and of life and even the traditions around Christmas, but let's focus on that. Let's accept that great joy, the exceedingly great joy that they had that we can also have. Looking at joy in the Bible, there's all kinds of verses related to joy. Um, even rejoice, you know, is a type of joy. It says rejoice always, and again I say rejoice. And if you look at the Psalms, there's all kinds of them. Psalms 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, and all these out there. But what, what would be the greatest joy? If you had to pick a passage or a topic in the Bible and say, what would be the most joyful thing you can imagine? Well, Luke 15 might be it. Luke chapter 15, verses 4 to 7 say, says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in, open, in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. If you ever prayed for someone who was lost for many years and then they came to the Lord, that is such a great joy. It is amazing. We have people around us who are lost. Our joy is so full when someone comes to the Lord. And it says here, the you know, the righteous, 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. But the angels rejoice, another verse says, when someone comes to the Lord. Okay, it's amazing. It's a great thing. What is our greatest joy this Christmas? I'd encourage you to start praying for the lost. Pray for someone who you know needs to come to the Lord. And that will be our greatest joy. The first joy of Jesus coming and dying and being able to enter the kingdom for us. But the joy of others coming and joining us in that kingdom uh, is amazing. So let's be praying for that. I just encourage us there today. We focus on Jesus and what he did, and that is, of course, the, the greatest thing that ever happened, but following on to that uh, with what we're doing. What is our purpose in life? What are our gifts for, the spiritual gifts we're talking about? Um, what is your purpose in life? It should be partly, at least, to be a witness to those around us and to be bringing those into the kingdom. I don't know if you've got the PowerPoint uh, up there. I've been moving forward here without thinking about that. Let's uh, go to the next. The next slide is, I think, the verses I've been reading. Okay, so the basic outline, and I'll come back to those each one. Let's go to the next slide. These are the verses that I've been reading, and the next one is the one I just read, I believe. So go to the next one, yeah. So where do you find joy this Christmas season? Focus on joy. But in that, I have to say, many of us may be struggling uh, 
with joy at this time of the year. And we need to find ways to getting back to a place that we are right with God. So the sermon title is Getting Right with God. Let's go to the next slide. So how do we get right with God? Well, one book I was reading recently is uh, Moody. He wrote a number of books, and a number of them are past the uh, copyright date, so you can get them for free on Amazon. And uh, so this particular one, he's talking about what hinders our prayers. If you'd like to, the book, you can let me know, and I can give, tell you what to, more about it, how to find it. But if you look on Amazon and they're telling you to pay for it, keep looking because you should be able to find the free one. But he's, it's a book basically pulled together from a sermon series on what hinders our prayers. And so the, the chapter titles there I've got up there, uh, Adoration, Confession, Restitution, Thanksgiving, Forgiveness, Unity, Faith, Petition, and Submission. So he's got a chapter on each of those. I find it interesting, we, we find a number of these and we think of them uh, as an internal something we have to do to get right with God, uh, to be in the right place. But some of the others, like adoration, he says like worship. Uh, God commands us to worship. We have all these praise songs we sing. Uh, you know, some people, maybe you don't sing well and you think, well, I can't worship. But it isn't the singing part that's worship. It's coming before God and worshiping him uh, together with, with a, a body or alone in your car, uh, but listening and praising him. It's the heart attitude there. It's not more than the words or singing on key. Uh, also, Thanksgiving. Recently, we had Thanksgiving uh, here in the States. In Canada, it's in October. A lot of countries don't have any formal Thanksgiving day. And it's a, it's a shame because we should be giving thanks every day. It's another command of God to be thankful. And how difficult is it if you're around someone who's not thankful, someone who's bitter, someone who complains all the time. It's very hard to be around those people. But someone who's very thankful and happy and outgoing and encouraging, you like to be around those people. And so it's another one of the things that we need to be doing to get right with God and to, for God to listen to our prayers is to be giving thanks. If you're struggling with that, I, again, read the, you can get this book and read these chapters. Unity. You know, are we struggling getting along with each other. How does that look to the world around us? If we can't get along as Christians, it says in the Bible, they'll know you're Christians by your love. If they know we're Christians by our division, then that obviously is not going to draw people in. So this Christmas season, as we look at, uh, again, our faith, look at Jesus coming and joy, uh, we need to be in unity. We need to have faith that what God says is true. Petition. We need to be asking God for things. Again, as I was saying, if you're praying for someone who's not a believer and, and that God would impact them, these are the kind of things we should be doing. If all we pray for uh, is people who are sick and need healing, that's good, but we should be praying as much, if not more, for the lost than we are for healing. And when I pray for healing for people, I ask for full healing. If they're not a believer especially, that it wouldn't just be their physical body that gets healed, but their, their spirit, their their soul would find Christ. And submission, you know, are we submitting to God? So all of these things are, are good. Um, but often we pray and we don't hear answers. And we wonder, why are my prayers not being heard? This book is a, is a key book to help answer some of those questions. So we need to get right with God, basically, is what he's saying. We need to be right in these areas. 
if we're going to expect God to listen to our prayers, if our prayers are going to have power. So the, the next thing is I was also reading about revivals a while ago, and there's a revival in, in Wales, early 1900s, and the guy who was leading that, Evan Roberts, uh, basically had these four things that he said we need to do to get right with God. We need to confess that Jesus is Lord. Wait a minute, let me get the, the right place here. At this point, so confess our sins. We need to confess our sins and ask for forgiveness. It's the first thing he says we need to do. Secondly, we must forgive others. If there's anyone you're holding hatred for in your heart, you must forgive before God will answer your prayers. Number three, honor God and the Holy Spirit by doing what he asks you to do. Get right with everyone before coming to the altar. And number four, we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life publicly before men. So this is a very interesting list. If you look at these things, we, we say, you know, obviously these things are good, but how do, we, how do we do these things? What do they mean for us? Is there a, a way that we can be uh, appropriating this and applying it in our lives? So hopefully you're confessing your sins regularly. Um, it doesn't say, you know, we, God came and forgave our sins when he died on the cross and he died for all of them, past, present, future. But for us to be in a right relationship with God on a daily basis, we need to be confessing the sins that we, we do. We need to be getting clean. We need to say, God, help me. Uh, not just at, once a month at communion time. It should be more regular than that. Uh, but when we come to God and ask for something, we need to have asked him to forgive our sins first. Why would he listen to us? The parent who has a car and the son says, can I use the car, Dad? And he says, well, uh, the gas tank's not empty, and last time you borrowed it, I said to fill it up. So until you fill that up, I'm not going to let you borrow the car. So it's a relationship there, right? It's a relationship with God. He doesn't want us to come and keep asking for things when we're not doing what he's already told us to do, and we haven't done it. So you must get right. You must forgive us, ask God to forgive us. But then there's forgiveness to others around us. Relationships not just with God and us, but it's us and others. And if we're at odds with somebody, someone's hurt us, someone's done something bad, we're holding a grudge, God says, I, I really can't listen to you until you have that thing fixed, until you're willing to deal with it. And it says that God won't forgive us our sins until we forgive others. It's serious business. It's not just us and them. It also affects us and God if we're not living right with others. It's not easy to ask forgiveness or to forgive others but it's something we have to do. If you need help doing that, I encourage you to find someone to talk to, find one of the leaders in the church, some trusted individual that you can talk to about that because we need to be able to do that. And honoring God and the Holy Spirit by doing what he asks us to do. I know in our, my life, there's been times where I've had good, a lot of growth and was doing things and learning things and then to come to a point where something that I didn't really want to do and God said I should do it, and I struggled, and I would look at it, and I kept putting it off, and I found I just wasn't growing. I, I didn't feel like my prayers were being answered. Uh, my life was kind of stagnant. You, you've got to get to the point where you're actually willing to do it. You can't keep growing if you're lagging behind in things that he's asked you to do, and you're refusing to do it. And part of that, then, is getting right 
for God before coming to the altar, as the verse says. We need to be right with others. If someone has something against you, go to them and get it right before you come to the altar. And then fourthly, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life publicly before men. Now, you can think of baptism. That's probably the one we think of the most, an open statement of what our belief is, that we're now believing in God, and it's changed our life. But I don't think it's just talking about baptism. It's being willing to say, I'm a believer. You know, what are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm going to church. Are you willing to say that? Are you willing to open that door, uh, communication with people around you? Uh, are you denying that you're a Christian? Uh, that's the worst case. It's the opposite side. We see Peter in the garden uh, following Jesus and denying him three times before Christ's death and how he was devastated by that. Now, then Jesus came back to him and said, I love you three times and restored him after that. But the, the fact is, we can find ourselves denying Jesus or maybe people telling jokes about Jesus or using the Lord's name in vain and we just ignore it and go on without some sort of, you know, do people know that you don't like that? I remember when I was in high school, I played on the basketball team in my senior year, I was one of the co-captains and uh, one game was just really bad. We played really poorly and the next practice, the coach chewed us up and down and, you know, said a lot of words that I don't use. And afterwards, he came out and said to me, I don't want to talk to you for a minute. He said, I just want to apologize for swearing in there. I know you're not, you don't like that. And uh, I hope that didn't bother you too much. But, you know, I just got angry with everything going on. And so he, he apologized. I never said anything. I didn't say anything to him. But he knew my stance. He knew what I believed. And that impacted him. And so I, I was just thankful that God was using me without me even being aware of it um, in that sense. So I think people do know what you believe if you're around them very often. And hopefully you have that impact on people. Well, this also, I see relation to these things, these four things in the Lord's Prayer. So let's, let's go to the next slide. So I want to read more than just what we normally say the Lord's Prayer. I want to go back a few verses from there. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. And when you pray, you must not pray like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for their Father knows what you need before you ask him. So stopping at that point for now, as we pray the Lord's Prayer, what should we be doing? Um, is it supposed to be something we've memorized and we can just say by rote and not even think about what we're saying? No, but sometimes we get there, don't we? This is such a uh, common prayer. I remember, I think it was even here at South Paris, I was leading a group one time, we were saying the prayer and I just blanked out, standing up here leading the prayer, and I just kind of stopped, and everyone just kept going, because everyone knows the prayer, right? It was great at that point, uh, but when you're praying, it shouldn't just be memorized. Each of the words should have meaning, and so sometimes we read a different version of the Bible, and it sounds a little different, and it makes us think, oh, what is that really saying? I thought, I like this verse, and then you can kind of think about the meaning, but if we're just saying the words, 
it's an empty meaning. We need to be thinking about it. And it says that here. Also, then the, the repeating the phrases. You know, if we say this over again ten times thinking that's going to help us, it doesn't help us. It's the relationship to God and letting him know what we're feeling in our heart. Now, the words themselves here are good. In verse 9, let's go to the next slide, it says, pray then like this. He doesn't say memorize these words. Pray like this. It's the meaning of the words that Jesus is emphasizing for us to learn here. So let's continue then the, the rest of the prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here, just that first part saying, our Father, hallowed be your name. Basically, that's saying, you are Lord of my life. I mean, you're not going to say that to somebody who you don't honor and worship and admit that he is in charge of your life. So if you can say that and mean it, then you've already said, God is Lord of my life. In verse 10, your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as in heaven. Again, it's recognizing who's in control. In the midst of COVID, in the midst of health issues and tornadoes, who's in control? It's not us. It shouldn't be us. But often these things are, happen to remind us that we're not in control. And so that's my prayer for people who've been hurt by the tornado. They would remember who's in control. It's a lot of suffering there and a lot of questions of why. Why would God allow this? They're not easy answers. But we still can know that God's in control. That's a foundation that we have to build our life upon that doesn't get destroyed when the winds and the rain comes. The house on the sand will fall. The house on the rock will stand. Give us this day our daily bread. Verse 11, recognizing again that God's in control and provides us those things. If you have a good job and have a lot of money, you don't even think about it. You know, you just buy things and it doesn't matter. Uh, someone who doesn't have enough money and has to decide, well, do I eat or do I pay a bill? That's a little bit more impactful. I know a lot of people are out of work and it's harder to find jobs um, or the jobs that you would like to have at least. And so we have to trust God for that daily bread and give him recognition so as we pray for the meals, recognizing it's God who provides that. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And again, this goes back to those four things that Evan Roberts said to get right with God. We need to be able to ask God to forgive us and then forgive others. 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And again, I think this is the, the Holy Spirit is needed here. If we ever try to fight off sin, some, something's coming up and you just say, I'm just not going to do it, that doesn't work. The Holy Spirit has to be there. The power of God has to be there to help you resist temptation, to fight off evil, and we need his help to deliver us from evil. So we rely on others. Get other people to help you. Have accountability. Talk to others. Um, there's a lot of ways that we can add to that uh, resisting temptation, but we can't just resist it on our own. And if you're, Satan likes to isolate us, get us by ourselves, and then he, we're much easier for him to trip up and get in trouble. Chapter 14, or verse 14, for you, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's a scary one when I read that last verse. If I'm not willing to forgive, I'm not going to be forgiven from God, and that's scary. You don't want to be in a position where you're not in forgiveness with God. 
your prayers aren't answered, your life is not going to grow, uh, you can be isolated, and if you continue to resist, often then the next step is you lose fellowship. You don't want to go to church where people are reminding you that you should be doing something better or other, uh, holding you accountable. And then you stop reading your Bible because the Bible is going to remind you, and before long you're isolated and you're on your own and you're not in fellowship and you have no interaction with God. If you find yourself going down that road, I really encourage you to look at this strongly. Find someone to talk to. It's not easy to forgive people who've hurt you, but you need to do it. What's the next slide there? So I saw that a lot of connection between Evan Roberts' four points and this Lord's Prayer. I changed the order just a little bit of the four. So I, I put first the confess that Jesus is Lord of our life. And by saying our Father in heaven and your will be done on earth, we're saying he's our Lord. We're asking him to be in charge of our life and what's happening. Number two, the ask forgiveness of sins. It says in the Lord's Prayer, we need to forgive us. We ask, need to ask the Lord to forgive us our debts, our sins. Number three, he says forgive others. And then as we forgive others, our trespasses will be forgiven. So, you know, connected directly into the Lord's Prayer. Number four, this may be the, the least strong connection, but I think it's still there. And it just says, do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, Evan Roberts said. And the Lord's Prayer said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can see that his four points are not just random points, they're very important. We can see all four of them showing up in the Lord's Prayer here. Now today, uh, I was focusing more on the, the forgiveness and uh, getting right with others. But as we saw in Moody's book, you know, there's many chapters of ways we can do things to get right with God. But uh, that one today, I think, is the key one we want to focus on. Now, forgiving others and getting right with them. So that he's got some stories in his book. He's a pretty good uh, sermon writer and speaker. You know, Moody, if you've heard any of his sermons, he tells a lot of stories. Um, it's not a heavy sermon. It's not uh, extra intellectual. Anyone can listen and, and appreciate it. And he's, he's got two or three stories of people who their life was uh, in shambles and their health was in shambles. And he starts talking to them and finds out they, they weren't willing to forgive someone. And he worked with them and prayed with them, and finally they, they went through that process and how their life was transformed. They were able to be happy again. God was giving them peace and joy and how it made such a difference. And one of the stories he talks about is just money. You know, if you've uh, ever stolen money from someone or taken money and uh, you haven't paid it back, and, and this one guy said, look, the, the guy is dead. I, don't, I can't pay him back. He's already died. And he said, well, what about his children? What about... Uh, what do you think he would want to do in his life? Uh, give to an orphanage. Give that money somewhere to pay back things that you've stolen. That restitution is very important. If you have anything like that in your life that's holding you back from God, get it right. Do what it takes. Even if it's more than the money, you know, and um, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, said he was going to give back double, wasn't it? Was it Four times, yeah, I was going to say, it was even more than double. He was going to give back four times what he took. 
And so maybe God is leading you to do that. He says, look, there's interest here. It's been a long time. You need to give back more than that. Uh, maybe you, whatever it is that God is telling you to do, whatever the Holy Spirit lays on your heart, if there's something holding you back today from God, go get that right. Do what it takes to be right with God, and then your prayers will be answered, and then the power of the Holy Spirit can work through you. These spiritual gifts that you're talking about, uh, maybe you say, I don't know what those gifts are, and I haven't really seen any work in my life, but you're not right with God. How is he going to work through you if you're not in that right place with him? In Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, I think that's there, okay. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. So again, God is not going to appreciate any gift you give at the altar if you're not at right with your brother. And I think that with communion, we tend to take that time and sit down and think and pray um, and have a moment there to get right with God. And sometimes then we'll think of those things. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone at that point get up and leave the church to go get something right with their brother, but I think that's what he's saying. We could. It would be better at that point to get up and go get something right with your brother than finish even taking communion at that point. So think about that. What, what is it that we need to do? Maybe it's better to have a regular time of saying, God, what is it I need to do today? And if he brings something to mind, do it then. Don't wait for communion Sunday. So where do you stand today? Are you right with God? Are you right with your fellow man? Do you feel like your prayers are never answered? Do you have peace and joy today in your heart? The first thing you need to do if you don't is to come and put your saving faith in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and the things I've been saying don't make any sense. You've not seen any of this in your life. Uh, you don't even believe that God exists. Well, of course, then you can't expect the peace and joy that he gives you. But if you're seeking and you know that you need to put your faith in Jesus and you want this peace and joy that you've seen in others here, you need to put your faith in him. Come to him today. It's not too, it's never too late. This is the, now is the day of salvation. You can choose today. So if you don't know how to do that, find one of the leaders in the church and talk to them, some other trusted brother. Until you know Jesus and put your faith in him and call him Lord, you can't have peace with him. Secondly, make sure you've asked forgiveness of your sins. We need to be confessing those sins on a regular basis. And thirdly, we need to forgive others that relationship with others. We can't be a witness to the world around us if we're not in unity. So that's forgiveness within the body. But then there's also forgiveness to those outside the body. It's such a testimony. It says in the Bible that if a wife marries an unbeliever or finds herself married to an unbeliever, she doesn't have to leave that marriage. But by her example, she can win this husband to the Lord. And, you know, forgiving others. We have to forgive them. And those relationships... There's a lot of things that are not going to be nice for that wife because the husband doesn't know God. He's not acting the way God wants him to act. And there may be a lot of times she'll have to forgive him or ask for forgiveness uh, and uh, get right with God. And so there's a lot of difficult circumstances in life we find in people around us they're dealing with. And suffering servants 
Maybe your role is not uh, the pastor or something where you're standing up front. Maybe you're cleaning toilets or doing something else that seems menial or uh, not very fun. But God sees where you are. God sees what you're doing. And if you're being taken advantage of by your boss, taken advantage of by somebody, by living the, the spiritual life the way we're supposed to, we can be an example to them. Uh, many times we've heard of people, uh, the boss just going, what is going on? How can you keep taking these things and not respond uh, negatively to them? And that example will affect people. Uh, I had, there was a guy in high school, I remember, who was a, kind of a bully, and uh, he would pick on most people, but he, you know, he picked on me as well, and I just didn't respond. I wasn't going to respond to that. And then I remember thinking one day after that happened, I was praying, I said, God, what should I do? And he said, well, pray for him. Pray for blessing on him, that God would bless him. And the greatest blessing that anyone can have is coming to the Lord, if they don't believe already. And so I just started praying that. And a few weeks later, he, his attitude changed. He stopped doing that, and he started being a friend. And we were friends by the end of that year. And, you know, God can make the change in people's hearts that we're not going to have by confronting him or challenging him or, you know, doing the same thing back. Those things are what we would naturally do, but that's not what God wants us to do. Can we forgive? Can we pray a blessing on those who are persecuting us? If we can do those things, we know our heart's right with God, and then he can work through us. So at the end of this year, end of the sermon here and coming up to the Advent uh, where Christ is coming back, we can have that joy and peace today. We can have the strength to live the Christian life, to live victoriously, to be overcomers, and we can see miracles happen in our life and the lives around us. So I just pray today that you would be getting right with God. Anything that's holding you back, get right, and then see God move in your life. Let's pray as we close. Lord, we thank you so much for the blessings that we get from you. We thank you for this time of year where we have some special traditions and gifts and family time that uh, is special and means a lot to us. Uh, we can celebrate and those are good things, but we also know that the ultimate gift is you. The ultimate gift is Jesus. We just ask you, Jesus, to be here today, to fill us with your spirit, to give us guidance of what you want us to do. Help us to get right with you in all these different areas, anything that's holding us back, that we give it to you, Lord, so that we can be in that right place, that we can hear from you, know what you want us to do, that we can be using the gifts you've given us in a way that's powerful because we're right with you. So, Lord, help us today to get right with those around us as well. It's maybe even more challenging to forgive someone who's continually doing things to us that aren't right, but we can give those to you. We give, give each one here, Lord, special strength. Give peace that only you can give through the difficulties. You don't always take the difficulties away, but you promise to be with us through them. So be with us now, this time of year, especially that we might be a, a light in the darkness. We might be a witness to those around us. And just answer our prayers, Lord, as we get right with you. As we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.